Hey, welcome to the Michaud Mission, Two Men, One Podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, what's up? It's Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we close out our month-long tribute to black science fiction, affectionately called Afrofuturistic April. And tonight... We go out with Vincent's selection from 2015, Z for Zachariah, starring Chiwetel Ejiofor, Margot Robbie, and Chris Pine. And that's it. That's <laughs> it. That is it. Very interesting tale. Uh, tonight here on the Michelle Mission. But before we get into that, as always, we'd like to thank each and every one of you who are watching us as we record this live via StreamYard on our YouTube page, as well as in our Facebook Michelle Missionary group. Hello to Aaron Fry, Robert Monroe Jr., Blue Girls 718, and everyone else. Uh, and What's going you? on, folks? What's up, Vincent? How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you, sir? I'm fine. I, I actually was ready to go where I needed to go, but okay. and this may have to get edited out. I was looking at the um, our listeners who are you know saying hello in the chat and hello Deborah Deborah Battle and Blue Girl Seven One Eight. For some reason, I if that was always her name. I always thought it was like I, I thought it was seven one seven. So it, when it saw, I saw seven one eight, I'm trying to say, oh, does someone have a birthday? Like what happened there, or was I just imagining that it was something else before? And it took me. <laughs> what are you to- doing? <laughs> what are you doing right now? <laughs> what are you doing? It was a squirrel that just showed up in. What are you doing in the, in the chat? And we just, have literally been talking and just shooting a, for the past hour. I know. Like you had one whole hour to be random, and you know, you know what, you know what? Okay, since we're I told Lynn I shared with Lynn last week. When we get together and have a pre-show meeting, I quietly get a little nervous before we start. That's true. Because it's like, it's so much lead time. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. You know, I have time to think about it. Like, you know, I like to be like Eddie Kang Jr. And just <laughs> slide in right when it starts. Right, right. But when I have time to think, so, so Lynn knows I got to get my mind right. Yes, you do. When we meet before. So we had a whole hour and we talked and took care of business and did that. None. And then when we start the show, you like, what am I supposed to do with that? Nothing. <laughs> um, a, a blue girl, seven, one, eight. She actually points out that the seven, one, eight is, um, refers to her New York area code. So. Okay. Thank you. Which means that it all was right. there all along. I just, for some reason, I always, in my mind, just, remembered it as something just, different. Just for it. some reason, just one. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, there you go. We're off to a rousing start this evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> as, 
as we get into uh, some of the listener mail that we we uh, received from from listeners, Vincent. Um, well, while you're doing that, shout out to the Tribble. Shout out to the Black Tribbles who who the 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 sun set on on their era and shout out to Lynn and all of the tribbles and, and we love y'all and appreciate y'all. And as I've said many years ago, when I moved to Philly and I saw y'all on the cover of the Philadelphia weekly, I said, Oh, Oh, I like that. I like what they're doing. And I actually called my cousin and said, we should get us a show too. Mm -hmm. And that's how we came and, and, and went to Philly camp. I'm no, to G-Town Radio and started It's All Soul, and that's how we met. That is true. Very true. So, so congratulations, Lynn. Congratulations to the Tribbles. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. You are Thank welcome, you. sir. Thank you. You are welcome. Yeah, so that means the Michelle Mission is now my only, my one true podcast home. We are the Highlander of Lynn's podcast experience. Did you watch Highlander the show? I never watched Highlander the show. Because it was the same thing. It was like, oh, it's, you can only be one. But like every week, it was just more Highlanders. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. I never watched <laughs> Highlander the show because I did watch Highlander the movie. Of course. And I didn't like it. I mean, it's not that good. It's No, it's not. It's bad, actually. It's just a cool idea. The idea is cool. I will give you that. And the soundtrack. Right. See, see, Highlander falls in that wheelhouse with me with Buckaroo Banzai. It's a good Mm. idea. I just don't think it's executed as well. And I think the hype that people have for that, just like for Buckaroo Banzai, is all about what they want it to be, not what it actually is. You know what? I will agree with you. I will agree with you about that. And I'll take it a step further because, you know, this is one of my bugaboos. I suspect that there is a percentage of people who talk about Highlander and Buckaroo Banzai who haven't actually seen it. Haven't seen it. Nope. Nope. You're absolutely right. You're Mm -hmm. absolutely right. Or if they did see it, they saw it so long ago that they are just living on vapors of memories. Exactly. Of when they saw it. Exactly. And in the case of Highlander, there was a television show that people watched Mm -hmm. and they felt like they never had to go back to the original movie, which, as you said, isn't great. Right. Is the is is the show better than the series? I mean, the movie. I thought the show had its moments. I thought the show had its moments. There was a point where the show went off the rails. Okay. Where where one of the characters who was basically a supporting character come to find out he was a Highlander too. Well, and it was like, okay, here we go. All of right. Of course. But, um, you know, it had its moment. Highlander was weird because I feel like it came on during a time where there was a real dearth of fantasy genre stuff on really because i feel like it came on because it was a syndicated show it was syndicated and 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 i feel like it it came on in the wake of because the big boom in syndicated shows started with star trek the next generation right 
And I felt that it came on in that wake, which was very sci-fi and fantasy heavy. But that was just one show. But no, but in, but all the shows that follow in in, in its wake, ne- never mind just the Star Trek, uh, you know, spinoffs themselves. But from there, you got Hercules, Xena, you got um, Stargate, you got uh, Gene Roddenberry actually started another show, which I which was mm-hmm. um, um oh. oh what was the name of that show? But regardless, you you've actually solved my mystery. You just named four shows I didn't like. like i actually didn't like any of those shows and as you were saying them i said oh that's why i was watching highlander (laughs) because i didn't like any of those well (laughs) mystery solved there you go now we've had now we've had highlander talk Back to our email from Hamad the DJ. Hey, Hamad. Uh, this is international fan mail, Vince. Hey, All fellas. Right. This is Hamad from uh, Qatar. I believe hey, it. what's going on, Hamad? I, is, is that, I, I want to make sure I'm pronouncing that right. Q, Q-A-T-A-R. I thought it was Qatar until you asked me, and now I feel all self-conscious, and I'm not sure. I don't know, because I've heard some people say Qatar. I've heard people say Qatar. I'm not sure. Well, I've never heard anyone say Cutter. Ah, Markham Lee. Thank you, Markham. It is pronounced Cutter. Okay. All right. Thank you, Markham. Uh, The Brother from Another Planet review brought me here, which took Mm. me down to the Misho Mission rabbit hole. Amazing show. And I'm grateful to be a new fan. Little trivia. Joe Morton's character is based on the protagonist in Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man. Anyway, seeing that both of you are fellow music geeks too, it would be awesome to have a binge lounge like episode. Remember the binge lounge, Vince? Remember when we used to do those? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I remember the binge lounge. (laughs) It would be awesome to have a binge lounge like episode where the both of you could review an album, say a soundtrack to keep faithful to the show's theme. It will also give Vince the chance to loosely goose, uh, loosely goose you and air his dead on grievances a la the infamous Rolling Stone list with Luther Vandross ranked number 54. Anyway, guys, much love, respect, and prosperity for you. Thank you so much for this show, Hamad. Thank you, Hamad. Thank you. We have been threatening to do a soundtrack show for many years, and and as Lynn alluded to, it is my fault that we haven't. So I will try to do better as we move forward. Okay. Welcome and welcome. Welcome, Hamad. Thank you. Thank you for yes. uh, following us. All right. Um, Robert Monroe says, hey, hey speaking of Sp- uh, Star Trek, when are we going to get another episode of Spock adjacent? Hey, you know what? You know what? I will turn this car around. I will turn it around. If you think I won't, just try me. You want ice cream? Do you want ice cream? If you want ice cream, just sit back there and be quiet. Look out the window. Think about Jesus. <laughs> These are all direct quotes 
from Vince the Dad's playbook. <laughs> hey, Vincent. Hey, Lynn. Let me tell you about a new podcast called Trail Weight, if I may. It is a show for anyone who is looking to make a change in their life and maybe go on an adventure. Trail Weight follows host Andrew Stevens on an ambitious, surprising, and transformative journey as he tries to get in shape for a month-long backpacking trip through the Sierra Nevada mountains. Through audio diaries, recordings from the trail, and conversations with authors, experts, even Olympians, Andrew takes listeners through an eye-opening adventure of self-discovery. Do you want to hear about the people that he's going to be talking to, Vincent? I do. This is all very exciting. Andrew is going to be speaking with Alexi Pappas and about how he deals with his Olympic expectations. He'll also sit down with Dan Harmon and find out how story writing philosophy can change your life. And he'll also ask the question how environmentalism might actually be missing the mark. Now, here's the thing, Vince. Andrew has worked in podcasting for many years, both as a producer on some of your favorite shows like The History of Stand Up and Trail Weight combines all of that experience into one surprising story of hope and loss, comedy and wonder, life and death and more. Andrew helps us lose our way so we can find the path we were meant to hike. That's kind of poetic. Well, this sounds like an adventure in and of itself. Trail Weight is brought to you by The Podglomerate. New episodes run every week, and you can listen by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this show. We got another email from Aaron Fry. The subject line, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. I hope you guys mm. like the series because I just finished re-watching it yesterday. And in my opinion, it was very good. So I think, Aaron, that is his way of asking us for our 30-second review on Captain America. That's the title now. That's 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 the name of it. And, and the, even though you knew it was coming... What, what, how how satisfying was that? See, here's the thing. I didn't know it was coming. I don't know whether oh, or not... Oh, come they, on. You knew it was coming. Oh, no. Well, let's put it this way. Yes. Did I see that it was going to end the way it did? Yes. Did I see him getting the suit? Yes. Did I... Um, and, and the shield and everything like that? Sure. But did I see that they would go the extra step in changing the title card mm -hmm. to officially to Captain America and the Winter Soldier? Heck no. Did I see that they would then release later that he will be the star of the fourth Captain is. America film? Heck no. So, yeah. no, I didn't see that coming. Um, and my 30-second pitch on the series is that I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a great deal. Um, I thought that they took a chance on asking some hard questions um, that have been asked before in, in Marvel Comics and kind of retconned out of existence to, to a degree, uh, especially in regards to the character of Isaiah Bradley, who I thought thought was excellently portrayed by Carl Lumley. Um, I thought that the uh, 
having all of the characters from your lead protagonist to your lead antagonist all be colored in shades of gray. There's no real true black and white to anyone mm-hmm. in the in the series. The probably the only person that maybe is colored in the 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 blackest of or the darkest shade of gray is the Sharon Carter character. Um right. everybody else is decidedly, you know, ambiguous. You could lean one way or another with their their world point of view. Uh I thought that was pretty pretty smart. It evoked some of the best Captain America of the last 10, 15 years. Um, the comic book that I've enjoyed. Um, th- those were the issues that were primarily written by Ed Brubaker. Uh, mm-hmm. I liked it. I liked it, every aspect of it. I thought it was pretty cool. I, I, I 100% agree with everything you just said. The only thing I will add is I love the amazing subversion of the commentary of, of the eighties action film. Mm. Like I love John Walker's entire plot and storyline and how it almost identically mirrored a movie from the Mm eighties. And, 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 but with the commentary that this was always whack. Right. Right. Like, 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 I don't really engage on the message boards and stuff, but when spoiler Battlestar died and everyone mm-hmm. was so upset about the black guy dying, I was like, that's the exact point. Like that's actually the point that right. this is commentary on that story. And you had this shadow storyline going on mm-hmm. with him. And I, I, yeah, I thought it was a triumph, but, and, and, and I'm really, really looking and I'm glad that Malcolm Spellman is signed yes. in to write it. Yes, r- so, right. The the new Captain America uh, film, yeah. and yeah. I have to say, you and I were talking before we um start taping about these Marvel movies, and and I mentioned I'd never watched Thor, like I've never actually seen Thor before, and I watched Thor, and I have to say, even looking at the early films, I think Marvel has been so smart getting really good actors. Mm-hmm to play these roles. So there's someone mm-hmm. like Anthony Mackie who, who, who starts in winter soldier and slowly but surely has sort of been in the background and he's there. You know that when it's time for him to come to the fore, mm-hmm. he can handle it as yeah. an actor. Right. And, and you, you know, I can't say enough about, about his performance. So, and also, and, and, I'm sorry to cut you off, but but also in that is that if you are not familiar, A, with the actor, Anthony Mackie, or B, the character of the Falcon, the time when, it, when he is positioned to take the lead of stories, it feels earned. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because he is a guy who came in after kind of like the seeds were already set paid his dues and just slowly started working his way up and up and up until he takes the lead and it was only right that he doesn't take the lead before the you know the preeminent you know uh black action superhero gets his shine which is black panther 
um, and then have Anthony Mackie and and as Falcon slash Captain America following his wake is really cool. Um, Sharon Eldred said, uh, spoiler alert about the suit. Sorry, Sharon. Um, and Miss Bakiba says that she read Truth, mm-hmm. Red, White, and Black comic in the middle of the series. Very satisfying the, to see the new uh, title card. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I, 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 I hope that this uh reintroduction to Isaiah Bradley is gives Disney and Marvel the opportunity not that the opportunity hasn't been there before cuz God knows it has been but that they do not miss this final like it, opportunity to put that comic book Truth, red, white, and black. Back mm-hmm. on the shelves. Yeah, back in the, the print. Comic book stores, the bookstores. If if they do not miss if 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 not now, when? This book has right. been out of print for what, may, almost 20 years now? Yeah. It's been probably a maybe a little longer. Like yeah. it's it is it is shameful how much how long this book has been out of print. And and let's let's put it you know let's call it for what it is. It's been out of print, and it has been kind of retconned. the mm-hmm. The story has been kind of like retconned and and changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. The story of Isaiah Bradley, as introduced in the um, in the series, is kind of like a an amalgamation of what his story is currently and what the comic book represents. And I think while the comic book may give a totally different worldview, I think it, it as its true introduction into that char- character warrants being back on the shelves. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I concur. So well done all involved. Most certainly. Most certainly. Also, and, and speaking of giving kudos where kudos is due, Vincent, this weekend was the Academy Awards and the Oscars. It was indeed. It was indeed. And if you didn't think that Vincent knew about that, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) Vince was actually called upon to speak about the the Oscars on the the NBC syndicated talk show LXTV, where Vince gave his little, uh, you know, his his little thoughts, his, his, his wise commentary on the Oscars as well as the uh, black experience in Hollywood. And might I say, my friend, job well done. Well, thank you. Thank you. Go out in the world, represent all of us. I try to make us proud and certainly don't embarrass us. So thank you for that. You did very well, my friend. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the Oscars, um, there were no shortage of representation shown uh, amongst the winners. Um, fittingly, beginning with uh, Chloe Zhao, who was the winner of Best Director for mm-hmm. Nomad Land, becoming only the second woman and the 
I believe, first person of color to win the Best Director uh, Academy Award, um, which is really, it, considering this is the 93rd Academy Awards, that is job well done for her. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya won for Daniel Best Supporting Kalua. Actor for That's Judas right. and the Black Messiah. Shout out Mad Love to him. And Soul That's won. That's right. For best animated feature as well as best original score from uh, Jean Baptiste, Trent Reznor, and Atticus Ross. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. Congratulations to Team Soul. Yeah. So that's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, that's pretty, pretty dope. Uh, and also, let's uh, give it up for the live action short film Oscar which went to Two Distant Strangers, which was produced by Trevon Free and Martin Desmond Rowe. Um, that is a, 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 I believe that it's a, about um, police, po police stops, um, stopping, you know, driving while black. So that is a pretty cool. Um, Congratulations. And, and let, let's keep it, keep it moving because I believe there was a, d d d d d yes, 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 yes. Here we go. I just found it. I just saw it. Uh, best makeup and hairstyling. Yes, for yes. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom for Mia yes. Neal, Sergio Lopez Riviera, and Jamika Wilson. Shout out to them as well. The first time that people of color have won that award as well. Absolutely. Awards. Congratulations to all. Yes. Hope these awards. Open some doors. All right. Uh, Deborah Battle says she's still tripping on Glenn Close. Uh, Glenn Close was, she was doing the butt. Vince, did you see that? Yes, she, she, yes I, I saw Glenn Close doing the butt. I don't know how I feel about Glenn Close doing the butt. And frankly, I didn't think I'd ever have to sit and think about Glenn Close doing the butt. But here we are in the year of our Lord, 2021. Uh, Aaron Fry agrees with you, Vince, because he says, I needed my mind wiped <laughs> after that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So that is, I believe. Oh, no, we have one last little piece of business. Uh-uh. That's right. Because after this tonight, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, yeah. We return to you in that yeah. very popular month of May, which will yeah, be time for yeah, yeah. Mother, May I Have Another One of Those Bad Black Movies. And Mother, at the end of the show tonight, we will be telling you what, what will be the first film in our celebration of Bad Black Movies uh, next week. But you can still, there is still time. This is the, the last final days <laughs> where you can vote for what will be the final film in mother may i have another one of those bad black movies month you can choose between medea goes to jail medea goes to jail white chicks white chicks white chicks white chicks or norbit or norbit Look for the the post 
on all of our social medias, on Instagram and in our Facebook group. Make your vote be counted. We will be announcing the winner this Friday. And the winning movie will not only be the film that Vince and I will review on the final episode of May, but it will also be the movie that we will be watching along with you on a very special live watch party brought to you here by the Michelle Mission. It'll be group trauma. <laughs> I don't know about group trauma, but it will be the first time in a long time that I will be sitting down watching a film with pretzel bites. I have I've already I've already uh made arrangements so that I made can arrangement. have a huge helping thing of pretzel. Of Are they sitting somewhere drying out right now? Oh, they're not drying out. They're actually um, being uh, uh, crafted, handcrafted right. Right, for right, right. my enjoyment. Now, Vince. Somebody's cutting the cardboard pieces out. So what you're saying is that while I am eating my succulent pretzel <laughs> bites. Really? Succulent? You, okay, you, go ahead. You, you, you will not... You will not be uh, asking me for no, no, because I'm not a serial killer, so I'll be having popcorn like a regular person. You just don't want to be in the room with my pretzel bites. I don't because I don't know if that sets you off or not. <laughs> I don't know if that turns you into Nimrod, the mighty hunter. Let's get into our review, Vince. Enough of you. <laughs> Let's get into our review of Z for Zachariah. We'll be back with the film review soon as we do something funky and have steps in it. Uh-huh. Let's go. Come on. Uh-huh. I didn't see anyone alive for over a year. My dad told us he can't leave the valley. As long as we stay here, we'd be protected. Hey! Get out of there! Who are you? You just need to get out of the water, please. Where are the others? The water's contaminated. Gotta be an explanation. It's just crazy this is still here. Why are you doing the work, my hand? Can't drive this? Ran out of gas. Pumps don't run without electricity. Oh, you can get it to work manually. Hey! It worked! Really means something that you think in long term for us. I want things to be good between us. It's okay, because we've got time. Caleb. Hey! No, 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 it's all right. This guy could be anybody for all we know. This valley survived like you and I did because we have faith. So what's your plan? <laughs> I've seen the way that you look at each other. If you need to figure it out, figure it out. I found 
lot of stuff about you. I was sick of being on my own. Jealousy doesn't see you, sir. I love you. You fancy wager? <sighs> Z for Zachariah. A 2015 film directed by Craig Zobel, starring Chiwetel Ejiofor, Margot Robbie, and Chris Pine. This film, written by Nisar Modi, is loosely based mm-hmm. on the 1974 book of the same name by Robert C. Bryan. It speaks about a nuclear apocalypse survivor, Anne Burden who has to somehow come to a decision between two visitors to her lonely existence, one engineer, John Loomis, and a traveler named Caleb. This final entry in our 2021 celebration of Afrofuturism was Vincent's selection on the Michelle Mission. Vince, what say you of Z for Zachariah? This is a film that I have been waiting to talk about for about two years now. About mm. two years now. As we've we we've spent time enjoying and celebrating Afrofuturism April. A few years ago, I I actually said where I'm going to do this film and in doing some reading I read a, a review that said it was similar to the world the flesh and the devil mm-hmm. which then I found out about that film with Harry Belafonte which I didn't even know existed hmm. and then the rest is history and then a couple of years you know last year we didn't do Afrofuturism April because we were all living in an Octavia Butler novel and now I wanted to bring it back because this is one of my favorite types of science fiction movie. And it's basically like, I love the last, I love last man on earth movies and stories because in a lot of ways, they are just character studies mm-hmm. disguised as science fiction. As you mentioned, when you open by, by nature of, of the subgenre. There are very small cast. So whether you're talking about something like the world, the devil in the flesh, whether you're talking about something like um, Will Smith and I am legend, mm-hmm. whether you're talking uh, about the the, 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 the the film. Oh, I just forgot. What did we watch last week? Last week we watched uh, Fast Color. Whether we're talking about something like Fast Color, where, where we talked about um, um, Gugu Mbatha Raw is by herself for mm-hmm. a great amount of time. There's this wonderful film called The Quiet Earth. Did you, have you ever seen The Quiet Earth, a New Zealand film? I it's don't sort think of, I have. I know about it. I, I don't think it's I've, kind I've, of the same I've, plot. Right. But you, right. you, it, it really is a great showcase. Mm-hmm when you have really good actors involved and and I really really enjoyed all three performances in this film 
while I'm happy for Margot Robbie and and the the the, the type of 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 publicity and profile that she's gotten from her work playing Harlequin, Harley mm-hmm. Quinn in the DC films. I am always a little like, ah, because she's a good actress mm-hmm. and I like Margot Robbie's work keeping in, in, in the genre conversation, you and I have had a friendly debate over the past five, six years about Chris Pine Yes, we have. And whether or not Chris Pine is a good actor. And apparently, what you should have done years ago <laughs> was tell me to watch Z for Zachariah. Gotcha. Because Chris Pine is really good in this. Mm-hmm. I really like Chris Pine a lot. And and then there, there's Chia Wattel Ejiofor, who is one of my favorite actors. Full stop. And it's really appropriate that we're talking about him in 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 the Afrofuturism month, because although I don't think it was the first time I saw him, the first time I noticed him was in a science fiction film. He played uh-huh. the antagonist in Serenity. Oh, yes, which was that's right. The, which was the science fiction um, film that spun out of Josh Wheaton's Firefly, right? And and did you watch? Did you see Serenity? Yes, did you I watch did. Firefly. Yes, I did. Speaking yes, I of, did. Mm-hmm. Right. So you know, Firefly, you know, one of Josh Whedon shows, and we talked about this a little bit uh, before. Like, I always thought Josh Whedon shows are okay. Like, like people fall out about them, but then you watch them, like, all right, this isn't bad, but you know, slow down, nerd. It's all right. <laughs> And Firefly was the same way. Like, it was a good show. It was a good, solid show with a good, solid cast. But I don't know if if Susie Laurie Parks was casting for a play or or there was a Broadway revival of, of Raisin in the Sun coming up. But she would tell Edgefor in Serenity is like Buster Rhymes at the end of Scenario. Like, he is acting. Yes. In this movie. And it's like, dude, you know this is just a dumbass Josh Wheaton movie, right? <laughs> you know, we're just trying to tie up the ends of a show right. that was off the but air like since, about five years ago. Right. But since then, I've he's he's on my list of actors that bring me to a project. Gotcha. And a film like this, it as you said, it's it's a pretty straightforward plot. Margot Robbie plays uh, the character Anne, who is who lives in on this farm that has been spared the effects of what we assume is some type of incident mm-hmm. that has irradiated pretty much everywhere. Chiwetel Ejiofor plays a, a scientist or an engineer, rather. I, I gathered he was an engineer named John who stumbles onto the farm they begin to have this this tenuous relationship that turns into perhaps something else. Mm -hmm. And then Chris Pine's character, Caleb, shows up and complicates it. And the entire film, it's it's a short film. It's only an hour and 37 minutes. Right. Is really this pressure cooker of these three characters maneuvering around each other. 
And I enjoyed it a great deal. I, I, I really enjoyed, um, you, you know, I thought the direction by Craig Sobel was smart. I mm-hmm. thought the establishment of place, I thought the, the, the staging of scenes really, really um, carried forth the tension mm-hmm. that is sort of built in. I'm talking about Caleb showing up. Caleb doesn't show up for almost half the film. So That's you true. really have Margot Robbie and Chiwetel Ejiofor bouncing off of each other. And I thought the film does a great job showing the inherent danger of this strange man. Mm-hmm. She likes him. She, you know, they start to get along. But this is a strange man who has been introduced into this situation. And the film walks a very fine line of, of reflecting that. As you said, it is loosely based, very loosely based on a novel of the same name that if you read the, the synopsis of the novel, the, the novel goes off the rails with, with, this, um, with this plot point. Yes. So that by the time Chris Pine shows up, it really is a complication that carries through. For our purposes here on the Michelle Mission, we talk about black films. Right. And I think race in this film is always on the periphery. Like it's always right there, which which I'll talk in a moment about some of my reservations. At, at you know t- to a certain degree, I think it's it's almost unbelievable. But it's always on the periphery because these are two people, Margot Robbie's and Chiwetel Ejiofor's John, who come from different worlds. Mm-hmm. Besides the issue of race, John's a little older than her. Mm-hmm. John is also a man of science and she is a woman of faith. And there's this really delicate dance between them and how they are going to come to how how they're going to reconcile that, if you will. Right. Chris Pines, Caleb comes in and obviously he has more in common with Anne than John does. They, they are both about the same age. They both are white. They both have these same backgrounds. But the thing that I thought was the best aspect of this film was that while John is more formally educated, none of these people are stupid. Right. And you get the sense that everyone knows what's happening. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. everyone is sort of laying out pieces of what's going to happen and how they're going to handle what is going to happen. So that by the end of the film, again, I really enjoyed how these performances elevated one of my favorite types of movies. Some reservations. It's a slow film. We've we've talked about films like this before. There, there's one of my one of my other favorite films that we've watched. Another science fiction film by my read, Brother John, is the same way. Like this is a slow contemplative film. 
that you right. may or may not want to sign up for. I will say at an hour 37 minutes, I think that the performances transcend the pacing, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also had reservations about how race was addressed, which was not at all. Right. Like you, you have this woman, Anne, who is from this rural setting. She's living in this farm. You get the sense she's not many, been many places, if any place at all. And she, it, like, it never even comes up that John is a black man. And what does this mean, this black man here? And if you buy that, which I was able, I said, okay, I'll buy this one person who's not going to address it from this demographic. But then Caleb shows up and he's the same way. So that the only time race is directly addressed is when John brings it up, where John tells her, well, maybe the two of you can go ahead and be together. I'm not going to stand in your way. And John says, y'all can go be white people together. That's right. Which, That's right. sidebar, That's right. crack me up. Him saying, y'all go be <laughs> white people together. Because I, re- I wanted to hear... I, I rewound because I wasn't sure I heard it. I was like, right. did, I, did I just hear him say y'all go be white together? Y'all go be white people together. And I wanted to know what he thought that consisted of. <laughs> like, what does that look like, them going to be white people together? But in my mind, those are small quibbles. Um, I enjoyed it a great deal. And frankly, this is a type of film that I wanted to watch before we get into Mother May I. Well, I'm going to say this quickly on that point about the race in the film, right? Um, And how you said that it kind of races always a little bit on the periphery throughout the film, right? And I don't think, I think if it is there, it is because we are bringing it to there, to our viewing of the film. I don't think it is there intentionally uh on an intentional level by the filmmakers Craig Zobel because like you said it doesn't really come up in Anne Margot Robbie's characters dealings with John's characters throughout the 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 bulk of the film it is never really is addressed and then when Caleb Chris Pine's character comes in it really doesn't become addressed and it is not addressed I think rather smartly until John brings it up because in that instance, John is us. And if mm-hmm. we're in that, and if we're in that situation, you know, we can kind of see what's happening. We see, Oh, this is, is a guy who comes in around your same age. Seems like he he's from the area has like-minded values, viewpoints in regards to especially religion, which we learn, which is very important to Anne because she's a pastor's daughter. Um, And when it is brought up, I like how it's brought up because it is, it then, if you weren't thinking that question because it hasn't been presented to you, you now all of a sudden see it. 
Because, like you said, you do immediately see it when Chris Pine comes in. Because regardless of what you may think of Chris Pine as an actor, and I do think that he is a very good actor, I think he's a very talented actor, Chris Pine is also, as good as he is, an actor who cannot get out of the way of the fact that he looks like Chris Pine. And Chris Mm -hmm. Pine is a very good-looking guy, right? So... He's almost the, he almost is this century's Brad Pitt, a character actor, you know, that is just built into a leading man's body, right? So you, so the second Chris Pine does show up, you're like, you know, y'all can dirty him up all y'all want. Y'all can uneven his beard all he wants. The second he starts flashing those eyes, you know which way Anne is going to go. Like, you know, th- there's not a human being who's not going to go that way. Quiet as kept. If Ann wasn't there, John probably would have been like, yo, what's up, Caleb? How you doing? So Plot twist. <laughs> right? So so that writing is on the wall, and I think it's very smart for John's character to, you know, give, give words to what we are immediately thinking when, uh, when Caleb shows up you shououted out um she would tell edgel for and enough can't be said about the man um who has become one of the preeminent actors uh uh in hollywood now mm-hmm. um and while carving out a very solid career of you know lead actor in some smaller films extremely talented and um you know considered supporting actor in some of the bigger films we we talked a little bit about how the marvel cinematic universe has been so smartly uh cast with good actors mm-hmm. she was how Idjo for is that an actor in the marvel mm-hmm. cinematic universe in the doctor strange films so um there you go. But given him his shine, you gave a word about Margot Robbie. Mm-hmm. And I want, I want to also give kudos to, to Margot Robbie, who is someone who I feel, unlike Chris Pine, who is a very good actor who just can't get out of the way of how great he looks, Margot Robbie is a very attractive woman but who has found a way, at least to my eye, to disappear a lot into some of the roles that she's played. Yes, when mm-hmm. her when her physicality, her her um, you know, her looks are meant to be on front street, then yes, you see what the world sees when you look at Margot Robbie, but um, case in point, her portrayal of Harlequin in the DC cinematic universe. But even there, she could coast on her laurels. She could coast on just the, you know, the glammed up sex pot that Harlequin is perceived to be it just from image alone, but she works hard as an actor and behind the scenes to make the integrity of that character still play out on screen. She also did the same thing. She, she, 
you forget that is Margot Robbie when you if you watch the movie I Tanya when she um mm-hmm. plays That's um right. uh, Tanya I, Harding Tanya Harding uh, yeah. it, it, it's a phenomenal role and and you you see Tanya Harding and they look nothing alike but you see Tanya Harding and that is how talented how much um Margot Robbie uh, 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 submerses herself into that role and I think she did the same thing here with uh, this role of Anne. You completely forget that this is a woman who played Harlequin. This was the the sex up uh, star from The Wolf of Wall Street. You completely forget about that. And that is just a, a testament to how talented an actress or actor that she is. And that I wanted to make sure that I put it out there on front street. I have to continue to be impressed by her, her um, performances when I see her and the smart choices that she makes with her career. Getting into this film, this is a contemplative film. It's a bit of a slow film I didn't find it slow I actually found it just a very evenly paced film I thought that it was interesting and here uh, again you have three characters and they're the only three characters that you have on this screen except for a dog um, who are decidedly colored in shades of gray you don't know whether or not Margot Margot Robbie is definitely played more black and white until she is has the two men that she has to kind of like reconcile her feelings for and these are feelings that we are led to believe are kind of she's new to we're led to believe that Mm -hmm. she hasn't had a whole lot of experiences if she's had another boyfriend it probably was a teenage boyfriend before this nuclear apocalypse that we're never let in on what actually happened. And because of where this film is set, we're not 100% given um, an idea of what is the uh, outcome of this apocalypse um, because the world, this movie is set in kind of like this cul-de-sac of an area where the effects of the apocalypse did not take place. It's kind of like just this almost, it's almost like, you know, here's a comic book reference for you. It's almost like the, the, uh, the savage land. It's like this Mm -hmm. little pocket, pocket of earth where it, it, it was uncorrupted by what happened. And you only know of what happened because of the stories that John and Caleb bring to it from the outside. Um, so with and in, in that, except for the once in a while references to it, you could kind of like get lost as to, you know, that this is post-apocalyptic. Like this mm-hmm. is kind of like some kind of future future world that we are on um, and just take in the story for what it is. And because of that. You know, that's where 
it loses some of the trappings from the world, the flesh, and the devil, because there you definitely feel that they are alone in the world because of right. the, the landscapes, uh, of the, the vacant um, uh, urban landscape in which that film is set. And this being set on this farmland um, doesn't feel naked. It doesn't feel devastated. It doesn't feel empty uh, in a way until you begin to realize that there are, wow, only three people on the screen throughout the yeah. the bulk of this film. Um, so that's that was one thing that it kind of sometimes would take me out of it if I was, you know, thought about it long enough. But I didn't think about it that long because one, like you said, the movie's only an hour and a half. And two, because everyone, it, all of the characters are so smartly drawn, so exquisitely portrayed on this film. And the movie itself is just a beautiful piece of work. You know, shout out to the director, Craig Zobel, also to the cinematographer, Tim Orr. This is just a beautiful film to watch and just get just get lost in the visuals that are being painted here. Um, I thought that this was just a very smart film. I I liked the interplay between John and Anne. I liked the cautiousness of their relationship with one another. Um, I liked that Anne she didn't see race because she was she felt moved to be with John despite a very um, violent drunken attack on his part. Um, mm-hmm. on her um she it, it, she still felt a affection for him and he too felt an affection for her you know it was it's just growing and it is, it is always and Caleb the Chris Pine character comes in later and throws a monkey wrench in there and and you're, you you grapple with how you feel about that because their attraction feels natural. It feels earned. So you're like, oh man, like there's no antagonist in this film. Everyone is, you know, of their own mind. Uh, and it's just interesting how it plays out. And I also, I'm always a sucker for an ambiguous ending for a film if it is well mm-hmm. done and this film has a mm-hmm. very ambiguous ending that you could read one of several different ways and you mm-hmm. have an, and none of those reads would be wrong they would all be about your perception about your about your perception on what you're being fed what the story is telling you um and i and i love that in the movie and I love when a movie sticks yeah. that landing because that's a hard landing to stick and this movie did this was just a uh, a good film well it, it it's interesting you're talking about just how beautiful the landscape was and the word that we're jumping around is eaten mm, that, because yes. there is there is so much religion and spirituality in faith kind of woven into the subtext and one of the things that I love about Chiwetel Chiwetel Ejiofor playing this character 
who is this rationalist. He's a man of science. Oftentimes, when we see these debates personified and dramatized, mm -hmm. black people are the spiritual ones. Right. You know, black people are the ones, and, and I love Jesus and, and the ancestors, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we just see it so much mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that I thought it was such a breath of fresh air to see him play the other side of it. Yeah. And 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 Chiwetel Ejiofor is such a cerebral actor. And and he's so smart and and he has this thoughtfulness about his vision. Like you can tell he's always thinking. Mm-hmm. And the mm -hmm. script kind of lays it out where there are a couple of moments, there are moments throughout where he talks about the power of planning yeah, and looking forward. And, and he's always playing the angles, if you will. Mm -hmm. So that, mm -hmm. as you said, when you get to that ending, which is deliberately ambiguous, but my interpretation, you already know what my interpretation is. I'm and funny feeling. I know what you're And not only is that my interpretation, what I love again, John is more formally educated than both of them. Yes. John is not necessarily smarter than them. No. And I love the fact that Anne, in her own way, has figured out things as well. Mm hmm. Has mm -hmm. figured out things as well. Caleb also, you know, if there is if if there is a moment of of misjudgment, I would say I think Caleb underestimates John and what John is willing to do. I think Caleb is 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 very much as as you said, it's Chris Pine, and he's very much Chris Pine, and I'm the physical one. Mm -hmm. I'm the man of that. You're you're basically a scientist. So right. on this primal level of man versus man. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be but so concerned about you. Exactly. Right. Right. Which right. ultimately, by my read, is a fatal misjudgment on his part. Right. I don't have to be too concerned about you until I do. And at which and point, by the is that too it, late? It's too late. It's too late. Uh, again, back to Chris Pine's performance, the final scene with them together. And Chris Pine has on this this elaborate headgear. He's mm -hmm. got his, his everything. All you can see is is his eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And the realization is all there. The realization in his is eyes. Yes. And you you also realize at that moment that he telegraphed, he kind of he like not telegraphed, he kind of foreshadowed that event pre earlier when he was telling his story uh about um the men who worked the mines with him exactly yeah, exactly he kind of tell he kind of telegraphed that that it it, exactly foreshadow gave foreshadow to it actually is what i mean and i do question when you said affection i i question how much john's affection is based on actual affection and how much of it is based on strategy if you will mm -mm. like like a moment that sticks with me so much is when Anne asked him about the picture of the woman in his in his cart mm -hmm. and john is like 
oh, that's just some girl. Mm -hmm. Like John is just so dismissive of this picture that he has. And I really was like, well, that's, that's an interesting detail to have in this film, him being so cold about this picture. See, and I can't get a, I can't get away from John looking at her through that gun sight. Mm. Mm. Right, right. Which, right, which he does use for to look at her telescopically, not c- because he's actually putting her almost as sight. if she's a target. Okay, okay. I there's a little bit of subtext. You could read the subtext there. See, but my thing is when when he says that this was just a girl. I didn't see him as being dismissive. I saw that as um I saw that as one she presumes that the woman is his wife. And he's right. like no, it's not it's not my wife. Uh it's just it's just a girl. I presume I took it as it's a girl who I wouldn't have mind being my wife. The time is long past when that's ever going to happen. And I've just been kind of like holding on to it because it's something to hold on to, you know, while mm-hmm. he's been out here. So I didn't see it necessarily as being dismissive. I saw it more as like um, him having to, for the first time, give voice to what this woman actually meant to him, you know, mm. and never, never being moved to say that before. Because he is a scientist. Because you learn he had been out on the road for so long. Uh, he had been stuck alone for so long um, in a bunker. And now he had to get out because that wasn't what he wanted from life, in his own words. He didn't want to just, you know, if I'm going to be alone, if, I, if, if I'm going to die alone, I don't want to die alone in a bunker underground with no lights, no windows, no sun, no moon, no stars, no air. Um, right. and he was going to take, take his shot. And that's how, that's how I kind of took that conversation that he was having, having with her, you know? Um, I, didn't, I didn't read him being dismissive. Well... I have to say that this type of conversation is a testament to this film. I'm about to say, isn't it the best films bring out that type of conversation? Because it really is ambiguous. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and again, all of these performances are so nuanced. Like that last scene is so haunting to me mm-hmm. with the two of them looking at each other and whether or not you believe John killed Caleb. I get the sense that Anne is trying to figure it out herself. Right. Right. Yeah. I think, I think uh, the future for, for uh, John and Anne would look if, if we were to continue this film would look starkly different than it did an hour proceeding mm-hmm. us entering into that world and actually might look more like the actual novel from which they drew this, this story. Right, right, right. Which is uh, definitely is more of a conflict between the two, 
between those two. Caleb is actually not even a character in the in the novel. How about that? Yeah, how about Which I that? I thought was very interesting to learn about that. Um that was very very interesting. Deborah Battle says actually that she had read the book and yes, it's not the same as this movie. It's not not the same as at all. And Miss McKeeba said you said Chris Pine, I heard uh, I heard Chris Pratt and I was like, "What?" It's like, "No, I didn't say Chris Pratt." <laughs> I no, said, no, it's Chris. Pine. It's a different Chris. Totally different. Totally yeah. different. Um, but yeah, really, really enjoyed that. Um, speaking of Chia Wattel, Edge of Four, and science fiction, the project that I'm looking forward to the most in the next year, Showtime is adapting one of my favorite science fiction films, The Man Who Fell to Earth, mm. into a television show. And she would tell Edgefor is playing the lead with Naomi Harris. Ooh. Right. I, I feel like somebody said, let's make a TV show just for Vince. Mm. So. Mm. Mm. And, I, and I think I read somewhere, uh, Vince, where the show in a, a, a strategic move, uh, a change of pace for uh, Showtime, each episode of the show is going to be introduced by Anika Noni Rose. I think I read that <laughs> somewhere. Maybe I dreamt it. Perfection. <laughs> Absolute perfection. <laughs> um, but here's the question, though, Vince. Yes. Would you say that this is a black film? I think I would because regardless of how much it is or is not addressed directly, mm -hmm. I do think visually race adds a level of electricity to this film that would not have been there if that character was played by, for instance, Trying to think of a good parallel. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm -hmm. you, you know, I, I think it's 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 not the same electricity at all. I, I mean, even even on the level of there's a moment where John is telling his story, mm -hmm. and he's talking about he didn't travel on the main roads. He traveled on the back roads. Right. Or even the 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 crestfallen look on Anne's face when she goes through his stuff and sees the picture of his girlfriend. And she's a black woman. And there's there's this 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 moment where where on Anne's face there's a bit of distance where there's so much different between the two of us. And apparently this is a woman that he likes. And obviously I'm nothing like her. Mm. Uh, there, there's a moment where it looks like Chris Pine is pointing a gun at him. Yeah. Which we've yeah. talked about that before in another film where race isn't at the foreground, something like the end of night of the living dead mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with, with, you know, Frank, let's just call it what it is country white men with guns. Right. Right. So that I, I think in a film that is so introspective and so kind of contemplative, that spark 
from his being black adds to it. So I'm going to say yes. And and you, sir? You make a good art. You make very good arguments for seeing it as a black film. Um, I think I'm still going to land on no. And that's because despite the the extra kick that him being black uh, offers to you as a viewer and maybe changes your perception on certain uh, scenes and line readings in this, in this film. I still think that you could watch this film. And if you never even thought about him as being a black man, and he's just a guy that, the story doesn't have to change but so much. I mean, you really only have to change the one line where it says, y'all go be white people together. Um, <laughs> go be white people together. <laughs> and it, the, the script can pretty much stay on beat. Like, to your point, when he, when Anne sees the picture of him, of his girlfriend, I think she... It, she may feel a little bit of distance, but I think the distance is that, oh, there is another woman in his life. And, right. and this is a woman, because remember, not only does she think that he's uh, she's his wife, she also thinks that she is the reason that he left wherever he, he was, because that he was going right. to go looking for her. So she's thinking that this woman not only represents a love in his life, but a possible quest, a possible end game for him, which is not anything that I could represent. And that is not seeing race. That's just seeing a uh, a woman. That's a woman seeing another woman. You know what I mean? Right. So, right. and I, th- and then, and that was more my read of her look and her questioning him about her. Uh, and I think that that first and foremost is the driving force of this film. And I think the race race is so low on the subtext level that it, and it's only really raised depending on who is watching the film. I can't, say this is a black film also because this is very much an ensemble this is not Chiwetel mm-hmm. Ejiofor Four with Margot Robbie and Chris Pine all three of them it, if if you want to argue Chris Pine is the supporting actor because of how long how late he comes into the story I'll give you that but Margot Robbie and Chiwetel Ejiofor Four are asked to carry the same amount of weight uh, story-wise mm-hmm. and emotionally in this film. So I I don't think it's... Uh, I think it's balanced enough that it I can't see it as just a, a, a black film. I wouldn't... You know, I'm not going to argue with you because it's I'm not still, saying I'm not going to fight you that hard either. Yeah. Right. Okay. But, That's uh, fair. Yeah, I can't. I know it's a good film. I know it's a good film too, film. Vince, is it so good that you would recommend people see Z for Zachariah? I would absolutely recommend it. Absolutely wholeheartedly. And yourself? I would recommend it um, for three reasons. 
Okay. One, I would recommend it because it's an excellent movie. The the performances, the direction, all the all the all the things come together. It is a little bit of a you know, contemplative is a word. Slow is also a word. I don't necessarily think it is slow, but I can see if somebody said, "Oh my God, that movie is too slow." It's like, okay, I I see where you're going for. I can't I can't I can't argue with you on that. Um, but it is a it is a a a fine piece of movie making. So there's one reason. The other reason is because. This was a film from 2015 that did not make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It did not make a lot of money. And it, it and the shame of it is, is because despite its science fiction trappings, you know, you got to squint your eye and then, you know, put four magnifying glasses, maybe, <laughs> maybe the Tuttle... Uh, the the Franklin Institute um, telescope to really look at it and see the science fiction in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, despite that, this is the type of film that unfortunately Hollywood doesn't make anymore. If this movie, say, yeah, if this movie was made in twenty twenty one instead of twenty fifteen, this would be a Netflix film. This would be mm-hmm. a, uh, an Amazon film, and it would find the audience that it deserves there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because of that, I think I definitely want people to see this film because they're not making these type of mo- the the big movie theaters, the big movie companies aren't making this film and releasing it to the small, the big screens anymore. And the final reason I would see this film is despite this film being set decidedly in some untold future of Earth, there was a part of me that watched this film and saw it being set in the 1920s and 30s and saw this as Grady the prequel. Because I defy you (laughs) not to look at Chiwetel Ejiofor in this movie and not see Whitman Mayo as Grady in his future rumbling around a junkyard in uh, California (laughs) with Fred Sanford. Well, if we ever sell our Sanford and Son, our, our Sanford year one script, we know who will cast as young Grady. So, yeah. Yeah, those, absolutely. Those are good reasons to watch the film, I think. But don't let us be your judge, ladies and gentlemen. Well, please, let us be your judge. Go see Z for Zachariah. Yes. Check it out. Excellent piece of film, filmmaking. Um, and that does it for our annual trip through Afrofuturistic films. Yes. Yes, the mothership has landed and taken the month away until we meet again next year. Yes. And in its wake, it brings to us Mother, may I have another one of those bad black 
movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And before I tell you what Vince has selected for all of you to watch this oh, <laughs> next week, I invite you to email us all of your thoughts, your 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 uh, your opinions, your movie requests. Email it all to MishoMission at gmail.com. You can also visit our website, the MishoMission.com, Two Men, One Podcast, Every Black Film Ever Made, and check out swag right there to check out all the cool designs and gifts that we have available for your buying pleasure by way of our good friends at T Public. That's the way that we keep this show free for you. Please feel free to like and follow us on all the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Subscribe to The Me Show Mission on YouTube at Me Show Mission. Shout out to our social media director, Toya Haynes, who does yeoman work building up our social media profile for us. Uh, we So mad love to her. The Absolutely. Me, me Show Mission is available as a proud member of the Podglomerate curated podcast for your earbuds. Go to thepodglomerate.com and check out all of the cool shows that they have there. Green Eggs and Dan is actually a very funny um, podcast. And if you like comedy, they actually have a podcast there called The History of Stand Up, which goes all throughout the history of stand up com comedy. And that's cool because I, who am a huge fan and uh, uh, study of stand-up comedy, have learned quite a bit listening to that podcast. So check it out. All right. Hey, Vince. What you yes, got? <laughs> what? Do you have for the missionaries next week on Mother, may I have another one of those bad black movies? Well, ironically, I'm going to go from one actor that I tagged early and said I enjoy his work a great deal, Chia would tell Edra for, and go to another actor that, frankly, I had great hopes for. <laughs> and he has subsequently made decisions with his career that I perhaps would have made different decisions. And that would be Miguel Nunez. And Miguel Nunez starred in a film that is a decision that I would have turned down in 2002 where he plays a middling basketball player who, while he cannot find success as a male basketball player, decides to impersonate a female basketball player and hijinks, as they say, ensue. I am, of course, talking about 2002's Joanna Man. Which will launch this year's Mother May I? <laughs> if we're going to do it, let's do it. <laughs> 
All right, let's do it. Let's do it. So I, there you I, go. Next I, week, Joanna Man. I've never watched Joanna Man. Uh, I've I've never seen it. I don't even think I've ever like seen it and like turned past it on TV. <laughs> like I've never checked it out. Um, so I'm looking forward to sitting down and watching Joanna Man. Lower your expectations. Oh, they couldn't get any lower. Uh, (laughs) That's next week, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, please be safe, be well. He's Vincent, I'm Len, and in parting, we say... We'll see you when it's time to meet again. 